what you know is that, you know, there's, they, they get all kinds of diseases in trees that actually wipe out entire populations. That's not because the trees did something wrong, and in many cases, not even because humans went in and did something wrong. I mean, we're doing enough that's wrong to the trees, but a lot of this is just nature. It just happens. There's, you know, certain, certain types of bugs that grow certain way, ways that different animals grow and actually end up suffocating the tree and killing the, you know, all of this takes place in nature and the question as well. Or even you look at, you look at the animals and you look at one animal eating another animal, killing another animal to eat it. Well, for most of us, violence isn't very divine. Murder certainly isn't divine. But when you see it happen in nature, we're like, wow, all right. Okay. So murder becomes divine. And so tearing up bloody flesh with the teeth becomes because this is this is nature. And so for me on a deep level, that's the easiest way to do it. Is to really, really just over-remember how nature works, but also to remember that seeing the divine in everyone doesn't mean seeing the divine in every situation. An enlightened being could see the divine even in someone like Hitler. I can't do it, but I'm sure that, you know, the enlightened masters can. I'm sure Pudu Swamiji could. But that doesn't mean that the Holocaust was divine. It doesn't mean that there's any divinity in what he did. And that's also a really important distinction, is when we talk about seeing the divine everywhere, it doesn't mean these starving people, oh, well, that's a really divine situation. No, it's not. It's a horrendous situation. The people who are starving are divine. And what can we do to serve them? Because unlike nature, unlike nature, we've actually created their problem. There actually are enough resources. There is enough food. There is enough water. There are enough of all of our resources to provide for everyone on earth. So if people are suffering due to lack, we actually have created that. And so it becomes our responsibility to fix it. So the divinity in the situations, it's, you know, you could look at a particular political leader, for example, not to be named, and say, well, okay, so I'm, I'm yes, the core of this leader must be divine because all of creation is divine. But that doesn't mean what he's doing is divine. Doesn't mean that we support the decisions. Doesn't mean we shouldn't rally against decisions that are being made. And so I would say if you can keep those two things in mind, the aspect of nature and all four seasons and everything being divine, and that just because the 
living beings are all divine doesn't mean that we all always act in divine ways. I mean, if I'm not, if I'm not connected to my soul and I'm connected instead to my, to my body and to my mind and to my history and my identity and all of that, and I act out, out of that, out of my ego, and my ego makes me act, whether it's in anger, whether it's in greed, whether it's in jealousy, whether it's in ignorance, whatever it is. Well, nobody's saying that action is divine. It's just saying I'm divine. But since I'm not in touch with the divinity of myself, and in my ignorance I think I am this body, that I am my emotions, I act based on that and I do things that are that are wrong. And then, of course, I suffer the karma of that and the whole cycle begins. But if you try to see the divine in everything that happens, you're going to drive yourself crazy. Yeah, really. I mean, the, it's, it's how to see the divine in all of the beings, even when they're engaged in behaviors that are so clearly not divine? Can we still see the divine being that's in there and just not being connected to by the conscious mind? It is, it's really hard. But the, the good news of that is it makes 24 hours a day our spiritual practice then it's not just a matter of how much time do I have to sit in meditation or how much time do I have to sit and pray. Then I can actually stand up off my cushion, stand up out of my mandir, and not feel like I'm leaving my spiritual practice behind. It becomes literally, can, I mean, if my goal becomes, can I see the divine in all? Well, and the first really beautiful aspect also of that is, Our eye that sees the divine, our third eye, has to be open in order for us to see the divine anywhere. Seeing the divine in the flowing Ganga, seeing the divine in a gorgeous sunset, seeing the divine in the eyes of one you love and who loves you back and is looking at you with love, it's, it's relatively easy. The eye doesn't have to be open super wide. But as we start to see the divine in more, that eye has to open more and more and more. And so it actually becomes a really beautiful spiritual practice because as you're challenging yourself, that eye is getting open more and more, which of course ends up benefiting us in, in so many ways. But yeah, it is really hard. The, uh, the English translation of sadhana is spiritual practice. To remind us, I think, that it's, it's a practice. I don't, I don't know the term for spiritual perfection. And it's certainly not something you hear people talk about. Um, enlightenment, of course. But anywhere between where I am now and enlightenment, well, it's all just practice. Practice.